going to hand it over to Pastor Timothy to bring the word this morning. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we're not going to do a big shout out to God today because it's, you know, COVID stuff this week. But let me just pray for all of us before we get stuck into it. God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for today. And we thank you for your word and for your church, God. And most of all today, we just thank you for our mums, God. We thank you that, um, we thank you that uh, we're here. Thanks to them, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for every bit of love and kindness that they gave us, Father. And um, Lord, help us to see the lesson that they teach us today. Amen. All right, grab a seat. I remember one bit of advice my mum gave to my sisters. Um, she'd say to them, be kind to your mum, because one day you're going to be one. <laughs> And I remember, I also remember the look of fear in my sister's eyes as their minds went to probably all the naughty things they were doing in the background. So there you go. There's a bit of advice. Be kind to your mum. Now, last week I preached a sermon called Right Priorities for the Righteous Minority. And I only made it halfway through my notes. Uh... But nevertheless, um, part two is going to have to wait because today's all about mums. So if you're hanging for that, we'll have to wait. So first of all, happy Mother's Day to all the mums in the house. And uh, let me ask you a question, everybody. Who loves babies here? <laughs> How good are babies? Babies are the best. <sighs> babies are the best. Now, the oldest mum, uh, I don't know my, triv my Bible trivia that well. I wish John Shadlow was here that teaches that course. Um, I'm not sure if it's the oldest uh, mother in the Bible, but definitely one of them would have to be Sarah, who was 90 years old when she had her first baby. So it's never too late is what I'm telling you. <laughs> As I was, I was trying to go to bed last night and I just had this, I had this, uh, I had this like picture in my head of like a promised land retirement village and the pitter patter of tiny feet. And I just, for those in retirement villages, can you just imagine a crying baby every night? Can you imagine it? Oh, and I was thinking, you know, and then this morning, I just couldn't get this out of my head. And then this morning I was just like, oh, God, tell me I'm done with parenting by 90. <laughs> because that pitter-patter of tiny feet, that's going to be more like, you know, some Jaws theme music when I'm 90 years old. Like, dun, 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 man. Oh, the toys on the floor, you know, it's got to be gone by 90. So today is the day we take time to honour our mothers that, that can be both physical, spiritual, women who've given us life in all the different multifaceted ways. And a mother is just such a special relationship that God has given to mankind and the examples that come through it. It's, it's really the first person that you ever meet that's not you. <laughs> If you think about it, like a mother is the first other that you'll ever meet. You were actually attached at some point to your mum. You were a part of her and then you weren't. 
just kind of blows your mind if you think about it, if you think about it. And like, as a father of four, I can tell you that when my kids, it takes them a while to discover that they're actually not still attached to (laughs) mum. It takes them a while. And, you know, we're just finishing um, round four of, you know, breastfeeding and like, it's just well done. That deserves a clap, people. Come on. We're in the 21st century. We clap for that. <laughs> and, um, you know, Jubilee's kind of struggling to think that she doesn't own Cherie right now. <laughs> she's like, come nighttime, and she's like, you know what you're... <laughs> Don't hold out on me. <laughs> yeah, so it takes a while. I believe, here's some things. Mums turn themselves inside out to hold their families together. Isn't that amazing? Somehow, they always know where everything is. (laughs) I wish. You know, it's kind of inbuilt. Even sailors better at that than me. They listen attentively to our boring stories. (laughs) They proudly display terrible drawings. (laughs) You just, you you know, you, you... you do a craft and you, you either you've got two options. You either put it in the bin or you give it to mum. <laughs> and if you give it to mum, you know it's going to be safely stored for generations to come, you know. My child's best drawing ever. Mums, mums they know you best and they still somehow see the best in you. Isn't that amazing? They make pain more bearable, moments more meaningful, and they patiently hold our memories for us until suddenly we discover that we care about those things. You know, it's always, in my, in the George family tradition, it was always kind of a harrowing day when uh, my parents would uh, pass down to you your baby album. You know, they, that's back when photos weren't, you know, as mass produced as they are today. My parents might have got one photo a year. And if you lose that one, you lost that year. <laughs> you don't know what you looked like. <laughs> but when they pass you that album and then suddenly you're like, hold on a second, I've got to hold my own journey. I'll hold my own memory of things. Mums do that for us. My mum's... Um, my mum's name was Elizabeth Ann George. I'm going to need your strength here, church. I'm not going to cry. Sounding like Cherie. <laughs> That's like what Cherie would say. <laughs> My mum's name was Elizabeth Ann George. And to this day, she was, is still the most emotionally empathetic person that I've ever met. Such an amazing woman. Now, if my father was the law of the home, then hands down, my mum was the grace. <laughs> she was an advocate, you know. <laughs> Even when I was naughty, she was still like, oh, come on, <laughs> don't, don't whack him, you know. Like, you know. Uh. And my mum told me that I had a heart of gold and I believed her. So that even when with my ADHD, the other kids called me psycho, even when the enemy through teenage years, you know, calls you worthless, And even today, when I'm still misunderstood, I cling to the word of my mother, a word she spoke over me. I know my mom would have loved to be here in this place with us today and to meet you all. You know, 
even when my mum was so sick, she like <laughs> she forced my family to carry her into church on a on her bed. <laughs> That's like biblical, right? <laughs> She's just like the value that she gave me of what church is and the value of faith. In high, she held those things in the highest esteem. So I stand here today with her faith, as a legacy of her faith. I have no doubt in my mind that she's smiling down at us from heaven right now, as I'm sure that many generations of godly mothers are. And I know that the spirit of those mothers and that the prayer of those mothers, I know that that lives on. Because God says to us that the work that you do, the true work you do, it's eternal. Store up your rewards in heaven. The selflessness of a mother, the, 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 a godly mother investing in her children, that's, that's eternal. <laughs> All right, so that's enough of that for now. So what's the mysterious origin of this everyday superhero that we commonly refer to as mum? Tell us your secrets. You can trust us. Mum's the word. How can dads avoid being duds? (laughs) Where's the hidden source of your boundless love? Tell us. Tell us your secrets. So today's sermon, we're going to be doing a sweeping overview of motherhood, starting from the first woman right to today. And again, I like to do a double pray, so let's pray. God, as we approach your word, Lord, let us do it with reverence, Father. God, we know that your word is good for all things, Father. And we know that you, you love to reveal your mysteries to those that seek you, Lord. You say, if we seek you, we will find you, Lord. So, Lord, help us find you today, God. And help us value you today, Father. Amen. All right. Let's dive straight in. This section I'm calling the creation of woman. And we're going to be moving fairly fast. Now, anyone that's ever read the creation story will probably know its formula. It goes something like this. God created light and it was good. That's day one. Day two, God created the sky and it was good. So it's like create, good, create, good, create, good. Until we get to day six, God created man and still good. (laughs) See, yeah, yeah. That shocked some of you. (laughs) So we get to day six. (laughs) God created man and it was good. Although, Genesis 2 18, someone say very good. (laughs) That's a bit cheeky. This is Mother's Day, people. Come on. (laughs) Genesis 2 18, the Lord said, It is not good. For man to be alone, I will make a helper just right for him. See, can you? Does that interest you? Like this formula, you know, create good, create good, create good, and then suddenly something is not good. That jumps out at me. Um, So I want to say in response to that immediately that it is not a sin to want to enjoy our life with someone else. That's not a sin. 
So like not good here doesn't mean sin. And neither can we say that our perfect God made a mistake, (laughs) that he created man and it's not good for him to be alone. That's not God's mistake. Rather, within this, we can see that he is sequencing events in order to build faith, to demonstrate his consideration and provision for man's needs, and ultimately to prove his goodness. Do you know, God wants to reveal himself to you. It's really cool. An infinite God is doing everything he can in many different ways to reveal himself to you. And this was, he was using this as an opportunity to reveal his goodness to Adam, the first man. So God interrupts creation. God interrupts the sixth day and he actually starts doing something which is is really interesting as well. So he creates this man and then he sees it's not good for man to be alone and he's got to make a suitable helper for him. And so what he starts doing is he starts creating all of these animals and he starts parading them and presenting them to Adam and he starts partnering with Adam in the act of creation and getting him to name these animals that he brings to Adam. And with every new animal, anticipation kind of is building as well. Could this be the one? Would this be man's helper? And I reckon the dog was probably almost a game changer. (laughs) Man's best friend, right? And all I'm saying is lucky Adam wasn't the folk singer Cat Stevens. Remember that song? I love my dog much as I love you. Anyway, too old, old school. No, Fido ain't righto, Genesis 2.20. But still, there was no helper that was right for him. And so God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And taking from his side, he created a helper an equal, his other half, to complete him again, to be by his side. It's really romantic. The term helper in Hebrew is Aza. It means strength and to save. And so it's by no means diminishing. <laughs> I reckon Jesus would be very happy <laughs> to be called a helper. I know he would be. And when God presents this final reveal after all of those parades of animals, no, not right, you know, add more feathers, (laughs) take that away, (laughs) trying to find that perfect one, suddenly he presents the perfect one. And I love it because within this Bible verse, the sheer ecstasy of Adam is palpable. He says, at last, the man exclaims, at last, this is the one, the bone from my bone, the flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. Isn't that nice? (laughs) It's so nice. At last. Everything was good again. And I might add that this is the closest that man has ever come to giving birth, and we slept right through it. (laughs) That's just a cruel joke, isn't it, people? (laughs) Now, the reason people say uh, that women was created from man's rib, just a quick bit of trivia here. 
is because ribs are the only bone in the body that can grow back. Isn't that miraculous? The only bone that can do that. And I love that. I reckon people have gravitated to that because it seems to have that flavor of the gospel in it. That life comes through sacrifice. Every mum in the room knows what I'm talking about. Life comes through sacrifice, but what is sacrificed will be restored. Now, I also want to reiterate before closing up this section, God always intended in uh, creating both genders because both genders represent unique and complementary parts of God's image. I love that. It's interesting to note here that Adam uses, upon meeting Eve, Adam uses his newfound power of naming uh, to name his helper's category, but not her person. So the first woman does not get the title Eve upon first meeting. She only gets her category of woman, as you can see here. And some people interpret that as a signification of equality, not only in their value, but in their role in this instance. And I'll talk more on that in a moment. All right, but let's come into our next section, the origin of motherhood. Now, skipping ahead a bit, unfortunately, mankind, man and woman sinned, and they brought not good stuff into God's good creation. And the consequence of this sin greatly affects mothers. Genesis 3, 15 to 16. And I will put enmity between the snake and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman, he said, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, even within the consequences of our sin, God gives us hope. And he promises good to come. Now, within that Bible verse, what I want you to do is to look past the suffering and the punishment. And that's a principle that I encourage you to do in reading the Bible in general. There's, there's a time of repentance and there's a time to see the heart of God, the good heart of God. We, we can trust and we can know God is good. Amen? So even when God is issuing the consequences for your actions, you need to trust Him like a child. Trust that He's got your best intentions at mind. Trust His goodness. So let's look past that in what He said. And if you do that, what you can see here is that God is promising Eve that she'll become a mum. Your offspring, He says. Eve hasn't had a baby up until this point. So this, although... It's a curse. It's also something really exciting here. He's promising her she's going to be a mom. For those people that can't have children, I can tell you, they would give anything to have kids. Anything. So there's something exciting in what he's saying here. And then the other promise that's happening here is that one of her children is going to succeed where her and Adam failed, is going to succeed in crushing the snake. And that's actually prophetic of Christ to come. That's talking about the victory of Jesus and us, the church, over the enemy. And so although there's so much, there is so much suffering talked about here, but there is so much hope. There is so many amazing promises in that. I love that. Now, recognizing that hope in God's work, and also this is coming back to gender roles here because something changed 
when mankind sinned, something changed there and gender roles are introduced a bit more. And so with this newfound responsibility of man's headship, Adam stops blaming his wife. Always a good idea, husbands. Stop blaming your wife. Instead, he prophetically names her Eve. So no longer is it just naming her category as woman, but now he waits all that time until after this moment and he now names her Eve, which means mother of all living. See, Adam hadn't, I'm actually really proud of men here. I'm actually really proud of mankind. Adam looked beyond all of the hardship of the consequences of our sin and he saw that God was promising parenthood. He's promising a child, and so he names Eve mother of all the living. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that exciting? He stops blaming, he stops cursing, and he blesses her with this name. You know, the consequences of sin are death. And yet God promises life in our children. And Adam here gets on board with God's vision. He gets on board, and he says, your name is Eve because you are going to be the mother of all living. It's, it's gracious. I love the grace in that. Now, true to God's word, Eve soon falls pregnant. And upon experiencing the severe pain of childbirth, she displays just this beautiful vulnerability. And she, she herself prophesies, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. So excited. With the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. And then in the correct translation, there's the prophecy is found where it even says, even Jehovah at the end. I've brought forth a man, even Jehovah, even God. So she's looking forward through the generations and she's hoping for her children to be the Savior. I love that. God's human presentation in Jesus does not mean he isn't present with women. In fact, God compares himself to a woman on several occasions in the Bible. Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit is a brooding hen. Isaiah 42-14, God gives birth. Matthew 23-27, Jesus is a mother hen longing to gather lost chicks. Isn't that nice? So what's that saying is God knows what it is to be pregnant. He knows what it is to give birth and he knows what it is to be a mother. God's the helper's helper. You can take that to the bank. God's the helper's helper. Isn't that nice? You've gone quiet on me. Within Genesis 4.1, the word help actually better translates as close, which I love. So when Eve says, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man, she's actually saying that in, in birth, she has experienced a unique closeness to God. So let me talk to the mothers in the room for a second for the godly mothers in the room. Does that resonate with you? That through birth, you experience a unique closeness to God. You brought life into the world. That is an amazing power. That is amazing. And I believe that closeness is, is both independence and empowerment. Dependence to survive. I've been in a birth room. I know what it's like. It's like, a, it's like survival is a major factor. <laughs> oh, it's not a really laughing thing. And then, there's, uh, and then there's the empowerment to bring life. Oh, amazing. 
Now, to every mum in the room, past, present, and future, I want you to hear this right now, that He, God, He is with you. He's with you, even when you're helpless. He's the one. He is with you then. Even when you feel alone, He's with you. And you will bring life into this world. And you will crush the enemy's head in Jesus' name. Come on. What I'm trying to do, I want to tell you what I'm trying to do in this section because it didn't quite land right. What I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to tell you that God is so present within you that we need to get higher than gender for a second. Look with a heavenly eyes. Look with spiritual eyes for a second. God, it's not just because God was a man called Jesus does not mean that he does not understand your experience. And I can tell you, when I've gone through my worst times of pain, I don't know how I'd survive without, unless I had Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying for past, present, and future mums, what is going to get you by when there's the crippling blame? What is going to get you by when you have the challenges of parenthood that just seem impossible? What's going to get you by is the presentness of God, that He is for you, that He is with you, that He overcomes aloneness and, and helplessness. He's looking out for you. You know, all authority in Jesus, you have access to as well. And so now after Jesus, the life that Jesus brought, you can bring that life as well and you can crush the the enemy's head as well. Now let's talk about the fulfillment of motherhood, the ultimate fulfillment. Who'd ever have predicted the Messiah would come via a virgin birth? Who'd ever have thunk it, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, I kind of wish I could like have goldfish memory and forget the Bible and then reread it sometimes. Because <laughs> I'd love to just read back through it and just be like, what is this? You know, the problem is you hear all these stories as a kid and then you're just like, yeah, virgin birth, and that's normal. <laughs> yeah, you know, run faster than the chariot. Yeah, easy. I can do that. <laughs> I'd love to kind of get that, you know, the fresh eyes on it, you know. The virgin birth, no one predicted the virgin birth. No one was talking about that. It's such a twist. Like, I love a good twist in a movie. That's like a doozy, that one. There's only one uh, direct Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah 7, and it's really random. God tells King Ahaz to ask for a sign. And with this real religiosity and this like feigned, this feigned reverence, uh, Ahaz quotes Deuteronomy 6.16 to God. <laughs> you know you're in trouble if you're quoting Scripture to God to get out of something. That's, you're not in a good place. <laughs> so God says, ask me for something. Ask me for anything. How cool is that? It's like a f- blank check. And instead, Ahaz quotes Deuteronomy, do not put the Lord your God to the test. <laughs> see, see what he thought? See the lack of trust he had for God? He's like, oh, you're, you're out to get me. You're out to get me. I can't, if I do what you ask here, if I trust you, you're going to smite me. 
We need to trust Him and we need to obey. See, God actually, that, in that moment of distrust, God actually prophesies this, verse 14, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. So he met distrust with his faithfulness, with his trustfulness. It's so random. Why would God do that? Why would God reveal to this guy the Messiah? God's so cool. Whether you trust God or not, He's trustworthy. Luke 3, 23 to 38, it out, outlines a straight and narrow genealogy of 77 generations from the first man, Adam, to Jesus. God loves seven, by the way. 77 mothers, 77 births. And I've got here, Christian mummers be like, got 77 problems, but a stud ain't one. <laughs> uh, you got to wrap that. Someone wrap that. Every single man after Adam is born in sin, but God intervenes by impregnating Mary with the Holy Spirit. Who knew he could even do that? He intervenes. So Jesus, okay, I want you to understand this. This is theology here. So God intervenes. Every man after Adam, all of those 77, they're born into sin. Understand that? We're all born into sin. Even kids have sin. Okay, but God intervened with Jesus and he, he created him in the same way that he created Adam. He intervened. So Jesus was born without sin because of God's intervention. Okay, cool. That's clear. So Jesus had this unique opportunity. And for that reason, you know, there's the first Adam. And then in the Bible, it actually calls Jesus the last Adam. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. One man brought sin into the world. One man took it out again. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, God, for that. And just as God put Adam in a deep sleep and he took from his side in the creation of Eve, I see this beautiful prophecy, even with Christ on the cross, that the spear that pierced Jesus' side on the cross and that he was placed into the deep sleep of death so that we, his helper, may emerge. This is prophecy. This is imagery here. And I imagine the resurrected Jesus proclaiming as the first Adam, at last, at last, this is the one spirit of my spirit and she will be called church. Do you know, we are, we are Jesus' bride, right? There was a match made in heaven for the first Adam, and there is a match made in heaven for the last Adam. And guess what? We get to be that match. <laughs> that excites me. I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. I want to be by his side. <sighs> she will be called the church. Just as Jesus was the firstborn of the Holy Spirit, so must the believer be reborn. John 3, 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Thus, twice born, a citizen of heaven necessitates two helpers, a birth by flesh and a rebirth by spirit. But only the truly hungry will taste of the second helping. Now, 
As a child, Jesus was presented at the temple and Simeon prophesied over Mary, his mother, that a sword will pierce through your own soul also. A sword will pierce through your soul also. And I, I believe that what that is showing is a mother's unique role once again in bearing with the sufferings of her children. Does that make sense? It's one of the few times that this is talked about in the Bible that Simeon prophesies over Mary and she says, Saul will pierce your side also. It's prophesying about Jesus' side being pierced, that she will bear with the sufferings of her children. Mothers have that unique role. I know that to this day, our church mothers, they echo Eve's sentiment in a humble and holy plea. It is only with the help of the Holy Spirit that I can bring forth a citizen of heaven. Right? Our, the natural birth only takes our children so far. There comes a time that of their own volition that those children must make their own leap into heaven, into faith, into citizenship. It is only with the help of the Holy Spirit I may bring forth a citizen of heaven. Oh, I say that all the time in my heart. Let's talk about the blessing of motherhood. Remember John Mayer? <laughs> Remember his famous love song, Your Body is a Wonderland? <laughs> Yesterday, Shri and I joked that her body is a battlefield. Because four babies later, you know, <laughs> four babies later, and sometimes, you know, I'll give her like a pat on the shoulder and she'll be like, ouch. Because <laughs> the aches and the pains, they remain. She's got the scars to prove it. And for as much as I wished I could spare her the pain that she felt, God knows I love those scars. And it's not in a weird way. It's just like, it's just like I love the holes in Jesus' hands. And when Jesus was resurrected, he didn't get rid of those. He kept those because they're trophies of life. <laughs> Trophies of life, trophies of sacrifice. So to the mums in the space that feel those aches and pains, you know what? We bless you today. We bless you for that. Well done. Well done. Now, contrary to Genesis 2.18's conundrum, we're coming full circle now, that it is not good for man to be alone. I can tell you that my wife often expresses to me a deep desire to be alone. <laughs> You know, you've always, she's always got a baby on her somewhere, you know, back pocket, you know, around the side. There's always a baby somewhere. And coming full circle, we, we're compelled to ask, why did Adam feel alone in paradise with a perfect God? The Hebrew word for alone is bad, bad translates as separating. Some theologians speculate that part of women's created commission is to help men connect with God, to help people connect with God. That's all of our commission. I can tell you this, that whether it's God's intention or not, I know many mothers feel the weight of responsibility in their homes for making sure that their husbands and that their children connect with God. I know they feel that weight. I can also tell you this, 
that my wife most definitely does help me connect with my emotions and connect with my God in a deeper way than I could do by myself. And I'm so grateful for that. I am so grateful for Cherie's role in our house, Cherie's role as a mother. I see God in it. So on behalf of all men, I want to take the time to say to women, thank you for being by our side. It's so great. And you know what? We love your differences. We may not always say it, but we love your differences. And that within your mysteries, we see, we see some of God within your mystery. On behalf of City Church, I want to say to mothers, I want to say thank you for bringing so much life into this world and into your homes and into this church. Thank you. Billions of babies across the globe. Teamwork, people. Come on, that's good teamwork. That's a lot of work there. Well done, mums. Bless mums and their babies. I want to see this church overflowing with life. In Jesus' name. I want to say to the mums in the house as well, I just I also want to say thank you for entrusting this church, for entrusting this place with your families and your babies. You know, our desire for mums is to see them in healthy relationships, to see them in strong homes, to see your children rising up in their created purpose, to be confident in their calling to trust God, to be the next generation of leaders. That's our desire in this place. I hope this place can be a spiritual nest for your home, for your family. And whatever you need, here's a blank check for you, mums. Whatever you need, you just tell the church and we'll do our best, you know. We know it's hard. We know that helpers need a helper too, right? We all need a helper sometimes. All right, mums, I'll get you to stand up where you are. And for the rest of the church, I'm just going to get you to reach your hands towards them. Reach your hands towards the closest mum. We're just going to bless their socks off. And then we're going to close the service with praise. God, we thank You so much, Lord, for entrusting women, Lord, to bring life into the world, Lord. What a great power, Father. And Lord, we know, God, that You are first and foremost of the Spirit and not of the flesh, Father. And we know that the life that You have commissioned these women to bring, Lord, is in the Spirit, Father. And Lord, we, we just pray, Lord, that uh, a new level of wisdom on the mums in this place, Father, and that they will feel, they will know with certainty, Lord, that You are for them, Father, and You are with them, Father, and that they need never feel helpless or alone, Father, because You're right there with them, and that You care more about their children than even what they do. And it's as impossible as that seems, Lord, that, that You are with them and You care, Father. Lord, hear the desires of their heart, Father, we pray. Let their children discover You, Father. Give their families the eyes to see Your image in them, God. Give them the bravery, Lord, to not buy into the things of this world, God, 
but to trust the provision of You, our Jehovah Jireh. I just thank you so much again, Father, for the example of mothers, Lord. So much of the best parts of men and women can be found in motherhood, Lord, and we thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, we just pray, yes, that there will be life in your church and that mothers will never stop drawing close to you, Lord, in their motherhood. Amen. Thanks, mums. Happy Mother's Day again. Let's sing God a praise song. One last praise song.